It's March 8th, 2023. Grab your paper, grab your pen. It's time for the run sheets. I am at Joel Pearl. As always, I am here with my international woman. (laughs) Ella, how are you? I don't think I'm really international considering I haven't one been out of the country in 12 years. And two, I don't even have my passport or like um, enhanced ID to even be able to travel to Canada. (laughs) You're international to me, who is based in Canada. It's true. So so it works, right? (laughs) It does, I guess, in that sense, yeah. You're you're my internet. I feel like all of my, all of my co-hosts are. To be fair, I feel like most of the audience, though, that listens is from the U.S., so you're really the international one. That's fair, and that feels weird to me. (laughs) Even though you're like not even two hours from me, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're we're all just one big happy international family or something. We are. Anyway, you know where we're at. It's the run sheet. Follow us on Twitter at the run sheet pod. Someone eventually is going to start tweeting more from there. I don't know. Well, rock, paper, scissors for it, Ella. Okay. Sounds like how a are plan. You, how are you doing? How was your week? Are you ready to talk about the wrestling? I mean, it's, it's, it's been a week and it's, then again, it's always just been a week and it's only Wednesday. Obviously we had AW revolution. We had some dramatic stuff on NXT. We had raw, we're in the lead up to WrestleMania. There's a lot happening. We're going to talk about all of the TV stuff that we want to talk about. But first, I think we got to dig into this news. <laughs> oh, baby. Let's start. Vince McMahon backstage at Monday Night Raw in Boston. Whew. The world was talking about it. FIFA Select. Well, first of all, Brian Alvarez reported and then FIFA Select got the details. Vince was backstage. Got a lot of reaction about what was going on why he was there, maybe why he was there. Uh, But really, the news, Ella, wasn't even that he was backstage. No. (laughs) It was a tiny little caterpillar crept upon his lip. Vince McMahon supposedly with his greased back dyed hair and a little, little mustache, looking like Gomez Adams, according to some of the WWE people that Sean Ross Sapp had spoken to. Oh, my God. Where do we start? Supposedly, he's there to visit John Cena, who, of course, had a uh, a segment on air with uh, Austin Theory to set up their match at WrestleMania. But what do you think? Vince McMahon? Is it, is it more than meets the eye? Uh, I mean, it says that he was just backstage at gorilla position, like just saying hi and like greeting the talent. It d- wasn't really... It didn't seem like that he had like provided instructions or feedback to any any talent or anyone. So it could have just been that he wants to see his homeboy, John Cena. And I mean, that was the night to see John Cena because Cena was back in the States. You know, he was filming a movie in Australia and all of that. He had a crazy schedule. So, I mean, Cena hasn't been in the States in a, in a hot minute, it seems like. So, I mean... He wants to see his homeboy. What what better place than kind of his his home turf in WWE? I guess. <laughs> Not only that, I mean Boston to Connecticut, yeah. to New York, wherever Vince McMahon makes his residence, not too far away. No. So you know he can get there. If if Raw had been in say on the West Coast, anywhere it could be in LA, whatever it was, if it had been there, I think we would have had a very different conversation. But this is a little bit more. It's more plausible that he's there to see his boy. He's been hanging out with John Cena, according to reports. They're they're still quite uh, close. But I don't know. The the real test, according to a lot of uh, people that Sean spoke to, was whether or not he shows up for SmackDown. 
on Friday. Night. Yeah, so it's kind of an odd scene to see to hear that Vince McMahon is backstage at Raw, but is making no like executive decisions. Anyway, it's he could just be visiting John Cena, but what we know when like Vince McMahon is backstage, you know, he's mainly like running the show or doing something, some executive decisioning. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. So it's kind of like out of his element to just be backstage and be okay with it again we're just speculating but it's got to be a weird feeling for him to to kind of just visit (laughs) what do you think is oh here's the thing we we can't we we don't know the answer for sure but in your mind picture vince mcmahon as described with this (laughs) gomez i've seen a bunch of fake photos (laughs) so i have somewhat of an image i want to see the actual image everyone's just pining for the photo regardless which which one's weirder to you, Vince with the mustache or Stone Cold Steve Austin when he got rid of his signature goatee when oh. he was filming movies shortly after he retired from wrestling? I think, to be fair, like that was long before I ever started watching wrestling. So for me, the more dramatic is the one that I'm like living through presently, which would be Vince McMahon. I can't really give like an honest, you know, uh, comparison I feel like because I saw the Stone Cold one like years later you know it's not like in real time what about Brock Lesnar who used to be this clean shaven mm-hmm. guy with a very crew cut haircut and now he's a little more wild and free with the, yeah. with the whole look that he's got the long hair that's usually braided up and he's got that beard that's very well manicured what is that a little more shocking maybe uh, than, than anything else I think so, maybe. <laughs> it's weird. What else was weird? I know. What else was weird was watching Liv Morgan become a meme last night <laughs> as she attended the New York Knicks game. And uh, there's a video that went around courtesy yes. of Knicks Nation on, on Twitter where uh, you can see somebody speaking to Liv and Liv just kind of not reacting. And people started making stories out of it that, you know, maybe this person was mansplaining or maybe this person was <laughs> talking to Liv and Liv had uh, AirPods in and she was really good at faking and ignoring this guy. Regardless, it became a meme. Uh, you can tell the people a little bit more because I know you know the inside track, Ella, but this was one hell of a funny story. <laughs> Do I? Yeah, obviously, WWE is going to be in town in Madison Square Garden on the 12th. Liv Morgan was attending the New York Knicks game as a special guest to kind of promote it. Um, the guy's finally been identified, too. Um, his name is Justin Scalise, and apparently he's the senior vice president of live events for WWE. So it wasn't just a random guy guy which makes it even more funny it it would be one that Liv would know or should know right that she would work with at live events so that's what makes it even funnier is obviously he accompanied her like to the events there because they're promoting MSG but yeah there's that video where he's just talking Liv just looks like she's kind of like half listening and you know you just give like a nod to pretend that you're listening that's kind of looks like what Liv was doing that she wasn't like fully paying attention so it just looks like a just it just it's just a meme it's it looks like he's maybe mansplaining again we don't really know exactly what he was talking about but it's been it's been a funny boatload of memes the last 24 hours <laughs> well those those who know Taryn on twitter who is yes a super fan <laughs> yeah so apparently i this kind of flew under the radar you know she said that Liv had kind of said in a private message dm chat whatever that like she legitimately couldn't hear what this guy was saying <laughs> 
And this was before everyone yeah. went off and made this whole meme. And before we found out that it was Justin, who was the, mm-hmm. like you said, the senior VP of live events. Yeah. Regardless, like everyone's, everyone at WWE is over the moon mm-hmm. because it, it just brought more eyes to the fact that WWE is doing the show at MSG. Because if you watch the video, like they're talking about MSG and yeah, it becomes secondary to watching this interaction between Justin and Liv, but you know, everyone seems to be happy and everyone's making good jokes and hopefully Justin's not too, uh, not too hurt about becoming the butt of a great joke. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I saw, um, well, I saw a bunch of memes. One of them was the um well, you probably have seen it. Uh the you know the the guy that Sean Dean had quote tweeted the other day about how yes. he didn't take an AW booking um that he cuz he doesn't cancel like bookings whatever. So somebody had put that caption that he had wrote in the Twitter post on the Liv Morgan meme that to look like uh Justin was saying that and I just died. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. That was such a weird story to that guy. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> anyway, let's shift our focus for a second. We'll go to AEW. We'll come back to WWE. Then we'll go back to AEW. Dax Harwood, because this is a really interesting and important story. Yes. Dax Harwood is saying on his podcast that, quote, nothing has changed regarding FTR status with AEW. Uh, this was on his podcast, FTR with Matt Coon and Dax Harwood. Uh, FTR made their return at AEW Revolution. They confronted the guns after they retained the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Uh, yeah, Dax is saying nothing's changed. They got a call from Tony five days before the pay-per-view and everything is still, still, uh, waiting for an offer as they're saying, talk to me about this whole thing. I'm sure you listened to this podcast or at least, uh, had a chance to open, uh, Open, open the, the, the news stories about it. Yeah, so obviously one of the big topics of debate, not topics of debate, but stories right now going around is that FTR's contracts are up next month in April. And, you know, Dax has been pretty open about where, honestly, he doesn't know where his head is at, but he knows that the gravity of the decision is definitely going to be huge of, of whether they're going to leave AEW to take some time off, re-sign, explore the free agency market. There's a lot of avenues they could go with this. And he knows that and has been very open on his podcast with that. So, I mean, they just recently returned at uh, at Revolution. So it's leading a lot of people to believe that, oh, they must be re-signing. But apparently, like you said, that isn't necessarily the case, that they're still unsure about where their contract status heads. However, it's interesting that they did return um, because uh, obviously Harwood said that zero has changed. We got a call from Tony about five days before the pay-per-view, he said, and he either heard a clip of what Dax was saying or a headline. And then uh, Dax said, I said, we were ready to come back. Our bodies were healed. We wanted to do right by the business because we are contracted. So he said that cash and i aren't trying to hold up anybody we're not trying to play the game of you know they're offering us this they're gonna offer us this kind of weighing the options of whether they'll stay or not um he told tony that it wasn't about that obviously he said money is a big factor but he said that's not what's going to but it's about what's going to make them happy and again that's up to them to determine what makes them happy so he said tony is onto something incredible changing the industry over the last three or four years he's done exactly that whatever you want to say he's completely changed our industry and you know He said that for monetary gain, I would never play someone like that, especially Tony. Um, He admitted he was close with his former employer, Triple H, that he owes a lot to. But again, their priority right now is not money. It's their happiness. So 
as of now, their futures are still up in the air in AEW, at least according to Dax Harwood. Quote, we have one month and 18 days left to make a decision on what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm not in any kind of peril as far as getting ourselves in trouble. Ella, let's say one month, 18 days. Are you, as as a member of FTR, are you still under AEW contracts, re-signed an extra amount of time? Or are you heading back to WWE where Triple H helped you find your path mm-hmm. with your tag partner? What, what would you do? I, I don't know. I think it's, up a, a, again, up to what makes them happy creative-wise. But also, I mean, obviously money isn't the biggest factor, but they also got to survive. I think that they'll sur- obviously survive either way. But again, I feel like it's up to what is on the plates for each kind of offer. Again, assuming WWE has reached out or offered them something i'm sure they have it's kind of up to them of what can wwe offer because obviously when they left it was kind of on awkward terms you know their last couple years in the company weren't the best and they've been very open about that but since triple h has taken over things have been a lot different it seems like talent are treated a lot better um but also like they've also made a lot of waves in AEW. You know, they were, uh, they held three different tag team championships at one point. The fans are so invested in them and AEW and anywhere they go. And sometimes when people, you know, we haven't seen too many people make that jump from AEW to WWE, but I do think if they went back to WWE that they would get a big pop, but also we don't know how WWE would handle FTR is, is my concern because, you know, Sometimes we've seen people jump companies and then in the new, then the new company that they go to or return to, they're kind of treated differently. So I feel like it's kind of based on what each company has to offer or do they do neither and explore the free agency market for a while. Again, it's kind of up to them. I'm of two minds with this. One is that free agency market you just mentioned, because both men have expressed interest in <clears throat> wanting to work the indies, make the yes. indies a bigger spot for them. They've never done that before. Uh, they can go back to AEW with the caveat that they are allowed to work the indies or that they would have select dates with AEW, but really put a focus on the indies. Uh, my feeling is that they'll go back to AEW. There's a, there's a little extra wrinkle in there and it's kind of the CM Punk story where he's coming more to the surface. He's gaining more friends than foes lately in terms of his promotional, you know, just just the way that that people are talking about CM Punk. They're, they seem to be a little more willing to uh, be be positive about him. And on top of that, I think that there's a, a push that if FTR is there, CM Punk is there. And if CM Punk is there, FTR is there. Uh, there were a lot of references to CM Punk at Revolution by Maxwell Jacob Friedman. I think we might see... FTR stick around and we might even see CM Punk back by the summer. That's where I'm. That's where I am. Hmm. That would, I mean, that would be something if CM Punk came back. Uh, it might be closer to happening than you think. Um, well, well, what it? We know someone else is coming back to WWE and that <laughs> is international superstar, not Ella J. We're talking about Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny's going to host WWE Backlash from San Juan, Puerto Rico. They just announced it's going to be, what is that, May 6th. And uh, WWE sent out the press release earlier today. Uh, that's pretty good news. Uh, Triple H had uh, hinted once upon a time to uh, Demon Diva, Isa, who works over at Wrestling Inc. with y'all, that, uh, bad, that not just Bad Bunny, but that 
that Puerto Rico was on the list for a future premium live event. What do you think about all this? I think it's it's really exciting. Again, it, it's also back-to-back pay-per-views that are going to per se be international. Well, technically, technically not. Um, but it, it, you know, it's outside outside the realm. We don't. I don't remember the last time we even got a, a Puerto Rico live event. I'm sure we have. This might be the first ever, but I'm sure we have. But again, oh, no, we don't see. It's, yeah, it's again. It ha, it's been a while. It's been a long time. So to have that, then kind of obviously the Saudi show is later that month um, on May 27th. So I think it's interesting too. And plus bringing back Bad Bunny is going to be a huge draw for them, especially in a market like like Puerto Rico. They don't explore a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of dedicated fans. Um, but again, we don't really know how the market's going to be because I think it had to have been a while since they were there last. But bringing in like the international superstar like Bad Bunny is going to be huge. And I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could go because I honestly was thinking about Backlash. Um, but that's probably out of my wheelhouse now, but it's going to be an exciting, hopefully an exciting pay-per-view backlash last year was a little rough to be honest. Um, because a lot of them are literally WrestleMania rematches. Um, so hopefully the added bad bunny addition makes people more excited for it. There have been house shows in Puerto Rico. The last one was actually in 2021 in what is that that's uh, uh november or no uh, september yeah. so they did one in september they've done one every other year it looks every other year they've been coming to, to puerto rico for a house show the last live event was new year's revolution in 2005 so that yeah. was a long it's time been ago. a long time yeah and that was when edge cashed in the mm. uh the, the the chamber uh or he cashed in the, the world title at the chamber oh wow yeah yeah so there you go cashing money in the bank that's the word i'm thinking of yeah i forget what words are some days it's okay so there you go they're gonna be so like you said they're gonna be running a few live events outside of the united states you've got the king of the ring which you talked about last week that's gonna be mm-hmm. in saudi arabia they finally announced that on raw this past monday you have uh, before that is going to be Backlash, which we just talked about. And then after King of the Ring, they're going to be going to London to the UK for Money in the Bank. So that's three events in a row outside of the US. It's, that's pretty interesting. It's That's unusual for oh, WWE. yeah, you're right. I know. It took me a minute because someone had re- mentioned online that they're doing three. And I was like, yeah. what? And then I realized, oh, Mar- May, late May is going to be the King of the Queen of the Ring. So yeah. And then after uh, Money in the Bank is going to be Detroit for SummerSlam, I believe. Um, yes, and everyone's going to be going there, right? So we, <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what the September pay-per-view is going to be, though, because obviously last year was Clash at the Castle. If they're going to be in London for Money in the Bank, one might assume. I don't know. What 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 could it be? I don't know. They, they kind of strayed away from Hell in a Cell. I don't know what it could be then. What could be the September pay-per-view? Just bring back No Mercy or one of those ones. Yeah, it could be No Mercy. I miss um, or I miss Over the Limit. You know, there's there's Fatal a lot of things. That you do. Yeah, I honestly was just thinking about Fatal Four, but they only did that once. You know what? I low key miss Capital. I mean, it has to take place in DC, but Capital Punishment was a really good one. If it was in DC, that was a good but, name. It's true. Yeah. What else? I don't know. Do? So, what are they going to do in September? Start your bets now. So, so that's the thing. I, I think it's probably going to be like extreme rules. But that was in October last year. Yeah, but nothing, nothing has to stay when they have that's it true. anymore. 
they're starting to kind of move things around. For example, True. last year, Hell in a Cell was in June when traditionally it had been in October. Oh, so it could just be Hell in a Cell. But I think that they were trying to, I heard they were trying to stray away from those gimmicky pay-per-views. I so that's why I was thinking Hell in a Cell wasn't going to happen this year. I don't think they're going away from them. I think they're okay. more trying to tell stories that warrant the pay-per-view in time. Yeah. I think they're kind of seeing the roadmap and saying, okay, the stories can yeah. lead here instead of start here or just Hell in a Cell is a, a, just there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hell in a Cell, honestly, I feel like should be in October, like around that Halloween era. Move Extreme Rules to September. For me, Hell in a Cell belongs in October. Like it just feels Halloween-y, you know? So yeah. move, move that back to October. Give me extreme rules in September. We're good. Realistically, I'd just love to get rid of those the theme pay-per-views like you were talking about before. Yeah. Because I don't want to have to be like, oh, it's October. Time to bring on the cell. It feels <laughs> a bit contrived and a bit expected. I, I do miss TLC, though, to be honest. I don't. Just have the match I once do. in a while. Oh, I miss TLC. Let it, let it rest for a while. I, I'd be okay with that. Anyway. Let's let's move on. We got we got to talk about some uh, some AEW news that is uh, oh god. So Wardlow's, I didn't even know about this until you posted about it. To be honest, I woke up this morning to Wardlow with he had a video of smashed glass, and it took me a minute to put it together because I was exhausted. Mm. Turns out Wardlow's car was broken into in Sacramento, California, the site of Dynamite tonight, as we record. And some new gear was stolen from him and, unfortunately, the AWTNT title that he won on Sunday night at Revolution also was stolen. Uh, no update that I've seen yet about whether or not those stolen items have been recovered. I'm sure other things were also taken, but really yeah. what we're talking about here is the wrestling-related stuff. Uh, really, my first question is, and, and I don't want to make this – this isn't a tribalistic thing. I don't want people to, who are listening to think like, oh, just, why is he comparing them to WWE? In WWE – your championship title belt is kept in road cases with the crew. You take it when you go out to the ring and you give it back when you get back. You only, and then, and then if you're doing an appearance somewhere, they bring it to you, you have it, and then you give it back. You do not travel with the title anymore. Why are they still doing this in AEW? Why isn't it just with the TV folk? What's going on? And also, does it suck to have your car broken into? Yeah, I remember. Was it last? I think it was last year. Maybe the, I think it was last year. The year before, was Sasha Banks uh, got her car broken into too, as well. Um, I do yeah, remember in, too in LA, in LA as well. Yeah, and I believe Rhea Ripley's gear was stolen. I think it was out of her suitcase as well yep. in 2021, or maybe yep. last year. Yep. And then yep. somebody found it on eBay. So. <laughs> Well, this is the second time in four yeah. years that an AEW title has been stolen. Oh, yeah. The last, right. time, the last time it was brought back to Chris Jericho via the, yeah. the local police. But I don't know, man. It sucks. The first thing I thought of when I finally realized what was going on was uh, why Why did he have the title with him? Why did he? Why would he have it? What, did, what does that accomplish? We've moved past this. Yeah. Well, yeah. He said they took his title, his, his ring gear, his boots, and basically – everything obviously probably excluding his wallet and his phone like the important things um so i i don't know i don't really have traveled the life of a wrestler so i don't really have that mindset but he said i guess he's gonna wrestle hobs and street clothes now tonight um I, again i would be shocked you know i i don't put it past though 
that by now Tony Khan is going to have like a replica in place of it made by Dynamite tonight. Oh, they have. They definitely have the replicas to give out because yeah. at one point there was a oh, whole yeah. Yeah, there was a whole thing yeah. about missing uh, missing titles at one point. Yeah, or just well, miss- and for the and for like, I mean, not that it was stolen. It was that it was storyline that Nyla Rose had taken the TBS championship, and then <laughs> Jade walked around with like a replica. So, I mean, like, yeah, they have replicas. I assume that that's gonna be what's shown tonight on Dynamite until when and if they find not only his gear and his boots, but this title. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll see what they find regardless. Keep an eye on uh, e- eBay.com, though. Yes, watch out on eBay. And also, uh, I, I'm really interested in seeing what Wardlow ends up wearing tonight. Yeah. I, think, I think he'll find something, but it'll be a little different. He'll probably find yeah. some bike shorts at the local the the local mall but the boots yeah. that's tough man you you gotta break in boots to yeah feel- you're gonna have to go to like a dick sporting goods store or something for like his boots and they're not it- obviously gonna be re- i mean there could be wrestling boots they are in california so i, I mean i don't know it's gonna we'll be see. like when when cm punk won <laughs> the AEW world championship did you know that he was wearing dan Housen's doc martens no oh my yes God. he talked about it in the press scrum and i tweeted Throughout the throughout the match, I'm like, he's not wearing his Automix mm-hmm. boots that he always wears. Like, why is Punk wrestling in Docs? And then he said in the post show presser, he was like, "Yeah, Dan Housen let me his Docs and said they were super comfortable to wrestle in." So he ended up wear, wearing and winning the AW World Championship in uh, in in a pair of Dan Housen's Docs. <laughs> That's iconic. That's ridiculous, and I love it. What's not so ridiculous is Soraya pulling for AEW to introduce new championship titles now, or new just new championships. Period. This is from Essie Scoops. Uh, I, dude, I, I hate this. <laughs> Soraya had had retweeted the International Women's Day mm-hmm. post from All Elite Wrestling and said, "This is the perfect way to celebrate." Oh, sorry, the perfect way to celebrate would be to bring in women's tag titles. If you see how every other promotion in the entire U.S. books women's tag teams, Ella, why the hell would you want to bring in women's tag titles? I mean, I get where she's coming from. Like, and I love Soraya. I just, I mean, yeah, they've been going on four years. But honestly, with how a majority of the booking that we've seen in the past of the women, I honestly don't have faith that they would be able to carry a tag team division let alone when we're still fighting for more than one women's match to take place on dynamite um you know i feel like the women's tag team division would obviously falter then to like it would re- what's it called reassign itself to dark or dark elevation i don't think that there would be much room on the main stage for it when like i said we're already kind of struggling to get more than one women's match on dynamite or rampage you know what here's the thing i hear what you're saying about the titles the women's tag titles hypothetically being relegated to dark and elevation i would be fine with that because there are a lot of women who work those shows and while it may be quote unquote just the youtube show 
at least you would have something that draws eyeballs to that show. I know, but also a majority of those matches on um, Dark and Dark Elevation are like one, two minutes at most, maybe five or six minutes. And to me, that doesn't add that doesn't add any value. That's not doing anybody any favors to it. You know, just because they're they're squashing these opponents in one or two minutes. That doesn't add, that doesn't elevate the women's, not pun intended, but that doesn't elevate any, any potential championship you have when you're only defending them in one, two minute matches. A lot of the times against these indie girls who aren't given a proper chance to do that. And if you do have a little bit more of time, it's literally only five or six minutes. Normally the main event of dark or dark elevation is it's not that much longer. So there's not much you can do to make the crowd invested in that when you're not investing in your own matches on granted, it's dark and dark elevation, but it just, for me, I just see so many issues with that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't do the titles any proper justice, in my opinion. So, yes, I hear you. And yes, I fully agree with you. As it is right now, it wouldn't work. If it was the same style of matches being played with the women's tag titles, no, it wouldn't work. I think more what I was getting to is the fact that they're a little more open to trying new things on the YouTube shows. And you could do longer matches. You could do some sort of standout main event weekly for the women's tag titles where the match isn't a squash. It can be five or six minutes. It's still TV. It can be longer regardless because it's not TV. Mm-hmm. There are There's an opportunity here. I think mm-hmm. that's really where I'm coming from is the opportunity to change up what you have been doing on Dark and Elevation and bring, it, bring a title for, for starters and B, showcase more women even just on on those shows it's a start (sighs) i guess (laughs) i listen i know i believe me i'm out there advocating or at least making a joke every week that you know it's 9 23 p.m eastern time yeah you know Mm -hmm. know, we all make the same joke at this point i can only say so much you know put a second women's match on put a second we're not we're not bookers you know which is we're not Sometimes, uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> it's fine. My my point really is that there's only so many times yeah. I can make the same comment yep. before I'm like, you know what? Let's try a different avenue. And for me, this is a different avenue that's mm-hmm. that's popped into my head. True. That being said, I don't think more titles are the answer for AEW. No. no like, when... Regardless of gender, non-specific, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. We don't need more titles. Like we're you already need to first. Up. You first need to elevate what you have going on, not adding something like half-assed, and then it's just a, a half half-assed effort. You know. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do a quick talk. Some TV stuff. We'll okay. rewind Revolution real quick since we're talking about AEW anyway. Uh, Soraya was in a match for the AEW Women's Championship. She, she did not win. Instead, Jamie Hader did retain. She pinned Ruby Soho, and really. The match was really good, but what happened afterwards was what was most newsworthy. Ruby Soho has made her decision. She is an outsider. First of all, talk to me. Was the match to your standard? Did you enjoy it? And also, are we surprised that Ruby joined with Soraya and Tony Storm? The match itself before, obviously, the turn seemed pretty predictable in my book. I think I was saying, too, that I feel I felt like Ruby, obviously, again, after the fact, there was more to it. But at first, it had just seemed that Ruby was just there to take the pin. And evidently, she did. Jamie ended up retaining to pin Ruby, which also protects Soraya, who is now kind of 
leading the charge against, you know, against the homegrown AEW stars. So that made sense. You want to protect Soraya. She's not going to win the title, but she's also not going to be the one to be pinned. Makes sense storyline wise, you know, but then they made themselves. There was an extra layer added to it of Ruby Soho now turning heel for the first time in AEW. And after we've been seeing her struggle for weeks on weeks between these two sides, who is she going to go to? It's still crazy that Britt Baker is, is a baby face again. It kind of just happened really gradually, which I kind of liked, though, too. But that's kind of off topic. Um, but I, I I'm interested to see how they go from here, because. Again, we have not seen Ruby Soho in any heel capacity in AEW since she arrived in September 2021. So she's been there for, what, 18 months now? This is really the first taste of she's getting of the dark side in AEW. So I, I, again, I don't know how this is going to play out for her. I feel like obviously Soraya is going to be the one who's kind of pushed towards the forefront and leading this revolution. But a lot of people are saying... uh, Blood and guts normally is around what June ish after a double or nothing. That could be something. It could be maybe before double. It could be maybe before double or nothing. It seems like we're poised for a path to uh, uh, the first ever. I think it'd be the first ever women's blood and guts. It would be. And I don't know when it would happen. June mm-hmm. does make sense. But man, you got a, you got a lot yeah. of time to fill between now and then it could be before then because originally originally the first one was announced um at revolution 2019 2020 sorry they announced that it was going to be coming up in the weeks after revolution but then obviously the pandemic hit so it never happened so again it could be even before double or nothing which actually might end up being helpful because they have forbidden door after double or nothing so I feel like if you're going to do it, now would be the time to kind of rally the troops. But again, that's just speculation. Nothing's been confirmed. But I just hope, obviously, Ruby's going to kind of be relegated to more of a a, a backseat role as Soraya is kind of the leader. But I hope that that doesn't hinder Ruby also. So, first of all, about Ruby, I will say this is the first time, at least in the women's division of AEW, that I can see the perfect turn. And for Ruby, I think it was mm-hmm. great because she's had this long-standing story of always coming up short. Yes. When she had major when matches. It matters this most, yeah. Exactly. And this was another one of those matches where she got pinned and then she was like, "No, forget this. I'm going after I like I'm I'm done with this. I'm no more Mr. No more Mrs. Nice Ruby." Uh instead, she decided, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be the outsider. And there was a lot of foreshadowing. Like the green jacket that she wore, the color in her hair was green. Like she was leaning heavily into it. But that being said, this is the perfect place for her to be as a heel, in my opinion, in this women's division. Now with Blood and Guts, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you do it in April, I think this is good because then it leads into Double or Nothing, which is at the end of May. Mm -hmm. So you can even do it at the beginning of May if you want a quick-ish build. I've said this on other shows, including I think I may have talked about it on this one. The story becomes, you're talking about Britt Baker, the the baby face. Mm -hmm. Britt's going to cost her team the match. Mm -hmm. She turns on Jamie Hayter. And then she just walks out of the cage like, forget this. Jamie gets pinned by whomever. And Britt says, I didn't care about outsiders. I didn't care about OGs. All I care about is the AEW Women's World Championship. And I want it back. We're not friends we're co-workers and I'm going to beat your ass. 
And that's how you get to double or nothing with Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Mm. Again, I don't so, know what happens to Ruby yeah. and the rest of them at that point. Yeah, I have no idea either. I Again, yeah, what kind of happens after that is the question because I still think that the story... Yeah, I don't know how you would book that. But again, that's assuming that all of the stars align and Blood and Guts, one, even actually happens, two, let alone happens before um, Double or Nothing. Because I feel like now now would be the time to capitalize on that as they're kind of building their sides. Um, but the thing is, though, too, is um, like we haven't seen Rebel in like five ever. Um so like does she come into play in all this also who does Britt baker and jamie recruit to be on her side would it be like a sky obviously a, a sky blue would make sense you know she's facing ruby tonight i believe she's facing ruby tonight on dynamite she faced soraya uh last week if not the week before so i mean that's an easy recruit i mean willow nightingale obviously has beef with uh soraya and them that would be an addition um but then also who does soraya recruit on her side to even it up well, Willow, first of all, Willow's perfect because her and Ruby were tag teaming. Yes. And now Willow has a reason to go up to Ruby and be like, hey, what the hell, man? Yeah. And then Ruby beats up Willow and Willow's like, no, it's on now. So I see Willow, especially as an opportunity for her to get further um, solidified as a major star in AEW. I think that's the person that should be added to the Britt Baker team. Uh, on the other side, you're right. Who joins the outsiders who rounds them out athena is somebody who might yeah, make sense she is the of. ring of honor women's champion she's very much a heel she's worked with all of these women before there's an opportunity there and her and willow are also having a little bit of a tip in roh mm -hmm. so there's a little crossover there that's not it's not too rohy if you know what i mean mm -hmm. we'll see where they go with that on the other side of things house of black finally win some gold in AEW. They win the trios titles over the elites in what was a great match. Julia Hart took every inch of a V trigger to the face, but House of Black are the new trios champions. That's all well and good. Ella, what the hell's next for the elite? Because they are MIA. Nobody knows what's going to happen next with them. You know, we were talking about FTR coming back to, and assuming that FTR, again, we still have a month and 18 days or whatever, assuming FTR doesn't stay, I think we were talking about, we were talking about somewhere that, you know, AW, like the tag division, yeah, they have teams, but it's just kind of, it's been kind of weird lately, uh, especially with the guns as champs and obviously the guns ended up retaining. So, I mean, do you put the elite back in the tag team division? I I mean, you could. I don't know. Um, obviously, I think that the, they get their rematch. Um, hopefully, I mean, I don't think that they would go back to Death Triangle. We already had that seven-on-seven seven series. Um, I don't know where they go from here, honestly. I think they just get their rematch. They lose. But I don't think it really, you know, I think people are going to be invested wherever they go, whether it's back to the tag team division or if they find new rivals somewhere in there. I think people are going to be invested in the elite no matter what they're doing, you know? My feeling is if they're really doing FTR and CM Punk return, does that mean that the elite are out? Because there's two sides to that, that story. Well, there's multiple mm -hmm. sides to, to brawl out. But like, this is just another opportunity True. for them to uh, move along from the elite, and the elite can go on. Who knows what Kenny's going to do with his contract presumably up in the next few months? 
with the injury time and all that stuff. And the Bucks in the same boat. They're still renegotiating their deals too. So who knows? House of Black are Trio's champions. They don't really have anyone to face unless they do, I don't know, the, the acclaimed with daddy ass. They're going to have to start thinking of some, uh, <laughs> oh my some trios. I mean, it, it could. It could be the acclaimed with daddy ass. Why not? It I, would be more fun that way, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to look at Okay, let's see what's going on tonight on Dynamite. Uh, AR Fox and Top Flight versus the Jericho Appreciation Society. So, there you go. oh my God, House of Black versus JAS is perfect. Let's go. That's oh, it. Yeah. We did it. That's, wait, they're, they're both like heels though. That's, well, that's interesting. They're two different teams though, like character wise though. Yeah. And I think that it would, I, if you do that match in Winnipeg next mm-hmm. week for the trios titles, mm-hmm. Then Jericho gets cheered oh, because yeah. he's oh, home, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to do Jericho versus Kenny in Winnipeg. As much as people would love to see the two oh, local yeah. boys go at it, yeah. I have a feeling they'll just do a trios match like that. Mm-hmm. But regardless, we'll see. Trios titles are uh, maybe getting a little bit of a of a facelift because the elite are going to move out of that division. Yeah. Let's talk about the main event. MJF <laughs> retains the AEW World Championship in overtime. After tying up with Brian Danielson as time expired, they got a little bit of extra time. MJF has expected Sheets to win. Brianson is, uh, is out. Brianson. Yes, I call him the Americanson Dragonson, Brianson Danielson. Mm-hmm. MJF retains. Were you shocked? Did you expect it? And also, who the hell's next? Yeah, I think I think it was you. Was it you who made the case for MJF to take that title into 2024 for the bidding war? I think that was you. It wasn't me, but it's certainly something I've heard a lot. So somebody made that thread and I'm like, you know, the what that kind of like makes sense. You know, I mean, Tony Khan is not shy of like blurring the lines with anything. And I mean, a lot of eyes would be drawn if MJF carries this championship all through 2023 through inching closer to the time his contract ends up leaving a lot of people to wonder my gosh is he gonna go to wwe with the title is he going to stay there's a lot of you know they like to utilize those real life aspects and i think a lot of people by this point are very familiar with like the the angle of the bidding war of 2024 and that makes for a compelling case of it and i mean if mjf can beat you you made me almost say Bryanson can beat Daniel can beat Brian Danielson in an hour, basically in, in a match that you know Brian Danielson has gone the length for before in sixty minutes. If he can beat one of the top guys, you know, at this rate, he could beat just about anybody. You know, it seems um, clean is is a different question, but he has those. He has the what's it called? Not sly. I don't know what the word is stealth, I guess, to beat about anybody. Um, so, I mean, it makes for a compelling case. Um, again, that's assuming that this happens, but somebody brought it up on Twitter and I'm almost like, that's actually really intriguing angle there. If you can get it all the way to the end of yeah. 2023 with MJF still having that title and you have CM Punk coming back. Oh my gosh. Mirror, the well, internet would e- explode. <laughs> they would because they would be mirroring the yeah. same story that they did with CM Punk and John Cena yeah. in 2011 where Punk yeah. wins the title and Punk runs out of the, you know through the audience with the mm-hmm. title and never to be seen for 2 weeks. You can do something like that with MJF. 
I don't know if they will. I think the next opponent, by the way, might be Adam Cole, baby, because they're going to debut that right. new AEW All Access series, or as I call it, Roads to the Top 2, baby. <laughs> Uh, I, I had another name for it. That was a really stupid one. Regardless, it's going to be all about Britt Baker and Adam Cole and others, but mostly those two. And how do you put over your number one baby face, Adam Cole, baby, right now? Then you give him a title shot at double or nothing because that whole special is about eight weeks long and it's not going to debut until the end of the month. So you got a lot of time to kill. That's true. So yeah. I don't know. Adam Cole is my guy to go on against MJF next and probably lose, but I think it would be a, a really good match. Do we think that, do we think Mox and Hangman is over? Yes. Okay. And I also would love to see Hangman start building up yeah. to an MJF rematch because yeah. that would be not only great, but I mean, I've talked about this on other shows. That Hangman and Mox match was the perfect, <laughs> not, not the perfect match, but I think the perfect yeah. character story yeah. for both men, especially Hangman, who needed some sort of character win. Yeah some sort of proof that you can peel back those layers and he is yeah. no longer impeded by his own judgment and his own anxiety. He comes out and he wins that match with a little bit of violence. He reminds himself that he is hangman out of more than a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of bleeding, just you know, one or two. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a, that's, that's what we wanted to talk about from AEW revolution. Let's talk a little bit about raw. Uh, we got to talk about that main event segment. First and mm -hmm. foremost, Jey Uso makes his return in the ring. He uh, kind of shoves his brother aside, hugs Sammy Zayn, and then super kicks him and joins back with his brother, joins back with presumably the bloodline. Kevin Owens still doesn't care, but Cody Rhodes still cares. And it looks like he's trying to mediate the whole thing. What did you think of that final segment on Raw and where we're going from here? Because clearly we're, we're, we're telling stories here, Ella. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this is going to make sense. I mean... I'm, I will admit, Jay Uso got me for a moment, but I also knew if the this plan is for the Usos. You know, sometimes I hate that, you know, reporting on the news and, like, spoilers and stuff. Sometimes I hate it because it disintegrates the allure going into it. But a lot of people know or expect it to be the Usos versus Sammy and Kevin at Mania, right? So that would make sense for Jay to turn on Sammy. I just feel like, yeah, we haven't seen Jay in weeks, but the moment itself felt like kind of rushed you know it felt like you know there should be more to the reason and i'm sure we'll find out more on smackdown but basically jay's only reason was like you're not blood you're not my actual brother you know like i don't remember what exactly he said i think he said like you think that i was gonna turn on my own brother you know i feel like there was there's more than just that you know like Sammy turned on everybody but Jay in his whole family. There was more leading up to that, you know, and I felt like that statement was kind of weak. It was true, but it was also weak. So I felt like that moment was inevitable, but the moment itself was kind of kind of felt a little bit forced and the basis of of jay turning that we were all looking forward to that was kind of the pinnacle of this story what side is jay gonna choose the reasoning for it that we got so far felt like kind of weak and not bare bones kind of if that makes sense when when faced with his twin being chastised or yeah. even exiled from the family jay chose his brother that's what it was. He wasn't mm -hmm. joining to be back with, with Roman Reigns. Mm -hmm. He was joining so that his brother didn't bear the brunt of True. Roman's wrath. 
And that's really what the story is. And I'm sure they're going to kind of explain that a little bit, or at least give you something to, to chew on. I think the, uh, I don't know. I think I think it was done pretty well last night, or at least Monday night. Mm-hmm. Outright, I should say. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's well. a compelling story. It's just, I mean, we'll find out more on SmackDown. I feel like, I, well, we should find out more on SmackDown. It was definitely a necessary point of of getting us to this expected match that's we're all expecting at WrestleMania. Um, but I mean, it leaves me wanting to know more. Like there was obviously more to this from Jey Uso. When when it happened and when you when you thought about it, did you did you end it with thinking, oh, I have to watch SmackDown now to get an answer? Was that what was going through your brain? Uh, I mean, yes and no, because, again, anybody who's in this wrestling industry who has at least some insight, we all know where the angle is going, you know, and but it's just also how do we get there however i did see those easter eggs after the fact that cody rhodes was talking to kevin owens backstage during one of the segments so triple h left us a little easter egg in there so i don't think until i saw that i'm like oh this could you know how do we get there we know what's gonna happen but also how do we get there you know so yes and no um I mean, it kind of sucks that we already kind of know. I kind of sometimes, like I said, wish that I didn't know that some things could be a surprise. But I still think that I'm going to still be tuning in because I also want to know how we get there. Yeah. And the reason I ask is because I find it uh, I find it imperative that we think more about whether it's not about whether or not we have the answers. It's whether mm-hmm. or not we are going to want to watch the yeah. next show. I try to think about wrestling and storytelling mm-hmm. closer to let's say Breaking Bad towards the end, right? I would watch Breaking Bad and then they would do the their own little post mm-hmm. show with an interview or two called Talking Bad. Mm-hmm. And it would it, uh, the question was always, oh my God, now I have to watch next week. Are you excited for next week? That's kind of where I'm at when I'm watching wrestling. I may know some of the stories or at least have an idea in my yeah. head of where it's going, but am I enthralled enough in the story that I'm like, oh, I got to watch I think that's what we need to be thinking of more instead of like, why didn't they give us more exposition here? Why didn't yeah, they- yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. You can give more of that as you let the story unfurl and tell itself. Um, and that's one thing that like, I, I hope more wrestling fans start to think about. It's like, think about the entertainment aspect. Don't think about the sports aspect as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, we also have to sit through more sport because Logan Paul is going to face <laughs> Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. That's officially official. That's going to uh, be a banger. I'm not going to lie. That's going to be a freaking banger. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be excited for the match when it happens. Cause I'm sure yeah. they're going to spend the time putting something together. That's yeah. really, really entertaining. Um, I see a lot of, a lot of gossip online about, you know, Seth Rollins should be in a title match for WrestleMania. And I'm sitting here being like, dude, he's on a major marquee match. Yeah. Logan Paul, love him or hate him is going to bring a few eyeballs. Mm -hmm. And then on the Logan Ball side, I've heard some pretty interesting conversation about the idea of wanting to watch a character get beat up versus knowing Logan Paul, the human and the person that he has been and like whether or not you really care enough or are invested enough in Logan Paul as a human to want to watch him get beat up in the, Mm -hmm. the quote unquote fake world of professional wrestling. So you said you're looking forward to the match and that it's going to be a banger. Was this enough for you to get excited on Raw this past Monday during Miss TV? I 
I think so. I mean, like you said, you know, there's there's a separation. I, am I a fan of Logan Paul, the person? No, absolutely not. Um, but I, I am, uh, what's it called? Aware enough to admit that, you know, he's been pretty phenomenal in the ring, especially for having no wrestling training up until like a year ago. Again, he had a, a pretty immense rookie year. One, granted, he only had three matches, but those three matches were pretty marquee matches, not going to lie. Um, so I, I mean, I'm excited for this. I get the angle where Seth Rollins is coming from. Cause I feel like it's kind of blurring that line again of, of Logan Paul, the person and Logan Paul, the character, you know, Seth was saying that he's only in this for the money, the fame, whatever, which kind of makes sense because Logan Paul comes from a social media, like influencer background. So it's pulling some of those real life elements into it, you know? Um, and you know, Logan Paul getting back at Seth Rollins after Seth said, bye bye, bitch. I, I like where they're going with this. You know, Logan Paul cost Seth Rollins the at elimination chamber, you know, Logan Paul eliminated Seth Rollins from the Royal Rumble as well. So the story is there, you know, the seeds are there and now things are coming more full circle and more clear as WrestleMania lines up. So I've, I mean, I've been liking the progression of this story. They've been take they've been transcending it not just from on screen to off screen as well when Seth does interviews on social media. I feel like these two are really putting in a lot of uh extracurricular work outside of just the on screen happenings. I am waiting for Seth Rollins to show up on an episode of Impulsive. Impulsive, yeah. Whether, whether it's an, an official guest capacity, which is how I thought they were going to set up this match, but instead, because Seth is so like crazy, the yeah. character, right? he's so out of uh, out of nowhere, he can show up. You could potentially have him just kind of waltz onto the set and like do his little Joker Seth thing and turn up the volume on this uh, this match at WrestleMania, right? I mean, I think wherever you put Seth Rollins, he's going to uh, he's going to do whatever he has to do. I feel like he's one of those characters that is so malleable in whatever he does. So, I mean, I that could have been an angle to do that, but you know, I felt like it's I don't know, it could be possible that he shows up kind of like Sonya Deville interrupted Charlotte Flair's interview with Ryan Satin. It could be possible that he interrupts Impulsive. I I like the element that they're taking this beyond the scope of just their on-screen stuff. They're taking it to their real life interviews and social media. So it wouldn't surprise me if Seth crashed a future episode of Impulsive. <laughs> Lots going on on the road to WrestleMania. Lots more that I wanted to talk about. But you know what? In the interest of time, the last thing I want to hit on is from NXT last mm -hmm. night as we record. Roxanne Perez retains her NXT Women's Championship in the main event over Mako Satomura in a really, really good match those two had. And then at the end, Roxanne collapses, is mm -hmm. taken out by medics, and a lot of people are very confused. Um, I was quick to point out that you earlier in the night, she had said in an interview backstage, she's never trained harder for a match, that she was, you know, very ready and she was running on adrenaline. And so to me, there was a storyline here. The story as Roxanne collapsed was she got through her hardest opponent, her hardest challenge. She worked harder than she ever did. It all caught up with her and she collapsed. They're going to probably say it's dehydration, whatever it is. What did you think of the match? And what do you think of what they're doing with Roxanne Perez? Because I've also heard some pushback, people equating it to what happened to uh, to that Bills uh, uh, linebacker. Was it linebacker? I forget who it was. Oh, yeah. Hamlin. 
with, with he had a he had a heart episode while he was on the field to cancel the game and so on and so forth. Some people kind of drawing lines saying, you know, we just had this happen. He was taken out in a stretcher. Everyone was like dead silent. Um, give me give me your take. Give me your thoughts on everything. I, I think a lot of people, too, were also equating it to Sean booking Sean. <laughs> Sean Michaels, yes, by the way. Absolutely. Because there was that. I don't know what match it was, but obviously it was in the 90s. He had just wrestled someone and that he had been celebrating, but then he collapsed like midway through like celebrating or just and then just fell. So, I mean, we've seen that in the past couple of weeks of Sean kind of showcasing his instant classics in a modern way obviously like we saw the barbershop window kind of re reimagined through uh ding dong hello with jc jane and Gigi dolan and then kind of to have this a couple weeks later people are like mm, okay sean we see you um but i yeah obviously you pointed that out it made a lot more sense i think the match itself was really well put together i mean of course it's going to be when one, you have Mako Satamura in there, but you also have Roxanne Perez, who has been a solid performer her whole career, basically. And so kind of combining those, yeah, Roxanne was the prodigy. She was the younger one, but I think she was ready for Mako Satamura. And we saw that there was some really cool spots. Um, when Mako kicked her from the outside, you know, that looked devastating from there. Then they got back into the ring. Uh, Roxanne ducked one of her kicks and then obviously... Uh, rolled her up for the win I felt like and it, they also went over time you know I mean I think it ended around 11 15 I think NXT ended um but I'm glad that they gave them time because I don't think they started the match I want to say to like 10 55 10 56 something like that so I'm glad that they gave them time and didn't just say oh you guys got three minutes then we gotta go so I'm glad that that happened but now it's like, where do we go? Because literally everybody and their mother now is calling out that they want an NXT Women's Championships shot. Tiffany Stratton said it. Uh, a Valkyrie Valkyra said it last night. Um, I believe Stevie Turner even said it too as well in her things. Um, so a lot of eyes are on Roxanne Perez now. Where does she go from here? How does she get that build to stand and deliver? I hope that the match with Stevie Turner is a gaming tournament. She has to face her. She has to face Roxanne Perez <laughs> in 2K23. I would love that. That would be fun. That's that's gonna be that's gonna be the uh, the match over the summer. No, you know what? I still think it's Tiffany Stratton for Stand and Deliver. Yeah. I think that you know they'll have Roxanne back on TV either next week or the following week. The update's gonna be she was dehydrated or mm -hmm. she was on adrenaline. Blah blah blah. She passed out. She's okay. And then Stratton's just gonna spend the the, the whole build to stand and deliver. Saying, her. You're weak. Yeah, mm -hmm. you couldn't get the. You know, you got the job done, but at what cost? You're gonna do the same thing with me, and I'm a much harder opponent. Blah 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 blah. And then Roxanne's gonna get the win, and Tiffany Stratton's gonna show up on Raw or SmackDown the following week after WrestleMania. That's my general feeling. We'll see what they do. Uh, that being said, I, I really enjoyed the match. I really enjoyed the angle. Uh, if you were paying attention, then you were rewarded. So good on NXT for doing it. And like you said, it, it's very much a Shawn Michaels trope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we ran through the run sheet. There's nothing else that, we're, that we need to really talk about today. But I think we did it. Ella, where can the people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at it's Ella J. That's where I'm most active. If you go to the link in my bio, you can find all my links to all my podcasts and writing and all that fun stuff in one convenient place. And as always, I am wherever you want me to be, actual Pearl, J O E L B E A R L. Uh, you know what? Just go to fightfuloverbook.com. I'm also over there sometimes. Why not? That's the run sheet for March the 8th, 2023. Ladies, gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, we'll see you in the next one. Cheers. <laughs>